Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Some time ago, I, I read a book that was recommended to me. It's called The 5 A.M. Club. I don't know if you've heard of it before. It's called The 5 A.M. Club. And, uh, you know, don't read it. It's actually pretty, uh, it's a long book to make a pretty small point. But anyway, um, sometimes you just stick with it till you get there. And so I saw it through and I, and I got it and I, and I read it. And, and you know, the, the 5 a.m. club is, is really about waking up at 5 a.m. And, and really owning your morning. Anyway, I, I read the, the book and I thought... Um, you know, this thing would have the power to change your life. But I was thinking about it. I'm like, I am a, a, a pastor of a church. We run things midweek. And I was thinking 5 a.m. The idea is that you wake up every single day at 5 a.m. And I thought about this and I thought, I don't think I can do that. There's too many late nights in there for, you know, church-related stuff or whatever. So, so, you know, I thought, you know what? Forget the 5 a.m. club. I'm starting a new club. I call it the 5.30 a.m. club. It is just like the 5 a.m. club, but there is one major difference. See if you can figure it out. Anyway, so, so the idea is at 5.30 a.m. I wake up every single day. And I have a bit of a routine. I'll tell you what it is. So I wake up at 5.30 every single morning. And it doesn't seem to matter what I do. I can't get from my bed to my you know, gym in the garage in under 15 minutes. Doesn't matter what I do, cannot do it, it's impossible. So, so 15 minutes later, I will be standing in my garage and, and then I do a workout. I work out from 5.45 to 6.25. At 6.25, I will break and I will go and have a protein shake and then I will go uh, upstairs and then I will spend 25 minutes praying with Jesus and uh, maybe reading a, a little bit. I will then break and have breakfast and then I go back to um, reading the Bible and just studying it and meditating on it and thinking of it, right? And, you know, by this time, it's, it's past seven o'clock. Now, I feel every single day when I've done this, I feel like I've won. I don't know what the prize is. There was no competition. It doesn't matter. I won. I feel like I have won the day and it's, the sun hasn't even come up. And boy, that is a really good feeling. And I think that everybody could probably do this if we were willing to get to bed early and so forth. And some of you have children and you say, ha, 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 are you joking me? Uh, I have to get up and make sandwiches in the morning and we have to get kids ready. Aha, well, yes, I have children too. So I, I thought to myself, this time that I spend with Jesus in the morning is so unimaginably important to lock this in place. What will I do? So it's just a little pro tip for you guys today. If you have children, if you, if you don't and you want to take notes, this could be helpful in the years to come. What I do is I make a loaf full of sandwiches, right? So I buy multiple loaves. There is an entire loaf of cheese and Vegemite, an entire loaf of jam. And the loaves go into the freezer so that the children, when they wake up in the morning, they just get their own pre-made lunches that are already there. I don't have to do it, right? It's already done. They are set to autopilot. We need to wake them up, but after that, they're on their own. They get their snacks. If they need a little bit of help cutting out fruit, I do that too. So, but the, the point is, is that I have to be pretty organized to do this. 
And the reason that I am is that it's just so important to spend this time reading and spending this time, you know, with God, spending this time with Jesus. And it's such a simple thing. And yet it's a thing that I feel so many people struggle to do with their lives. Well, of course, this has a flow on effect, doesn't it? So, you know, my kids were seeing me get up in the morning, you know, and, 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 and I'm always, I like to spend time with God outside. So I always go outside, even if it's freezing cold, I'll, I'll put on like a, a beanie or something. I sit outside, I'm just better outside. It's my spot, it's what I do. So, so the kids said, hey dad, we wanna, we wanna get organized too. Well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank Jesus. Okay, so when your kids say that, you capitalize on it. So I said, right, what we're going to do, we're going to get some planners for you and we're going to map out what your morning looks like, what your afternoon looks like, you know, what your nighttime looks like. So I said, what do you think is pretty important to do in the morning? You know what they said? They said, we should probably read the Bible. Well, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Right? Some of this stuff is stunning. It's really sticking. So uh, two of my kids, they said, Dad, we want to read the Bible in the morning, but we don't have these really cool study, study Bibles like Judah has. He's the oldest. He got one. And I said, okay. So I, I looked them up online and they were like, you know, 60, 70 bucks each, right? No problem. I said, I, I bought them. They were shipped. They are now have their study Bibles and, uh, and, and they read it. And, and even though it was a little bit exy, so let's say $120, right? Let's face it. When it comes to your kids and them wanting to spiritually grow and develop, you spend no expense. Amen? Yeah. All right. Would we agree on that? Like you would just be like, whatever it takes. What's astonishing to me is how people, not even inside the church, but people outside of the church, they even think like this too. Spend no expense when it comes to the growth and development of your children. I had a friend of mine years ago before I was working in church. And she came to me and she said, um, she said, Ben, I, I want to get my daughter into a, into a Catholic school. And I said, you know, but Kim, you're not Catholic. And she said, doesn't matter, you know. I, I like the values, you know. Uh, Non-Christian people always want to divorce Jesus from the values of Christianity. You can't, like, they come together. It's a package deal, okay. So, so but she said, I like the values of it. I said, okay, Kim. I said, well, what do you want me to do? And she goes, well, could you just... Could you just make her Catholic? <laughs> and I said, what is this? You know, <laughs> she's like, I don't know, just do what you do. What you, do. you know, just make her, make her, just make her Catholic. I said, Kim, I can't make her Catholic. I said, That's not, what, what is it that you think I actually do? You know, how do you think this whole thing works? I can't, I can't just make her Catholic. Like, side note, I never would have made her Catholic. I would have made her Pentecostal. What I would have done is pray for the Holy Spirit to fill her. Next thing, she's yelling out, should have bought a Honda. And she's saying, what have you done to my family? Well, I said, I said, I, I said, Kim, I, I can't just lay hands and, and do it, right? But, but why do you want it? It's all about the values, right? Parents are so interested in having their kids grow up with the right values, whether they're Christian or not. As Christian parents, you know, we're so interested in making sure our kids' spiritual growth is nourished and, and, and developed. What is astonishing to me is the 
the, the passion with which people are interested in raising their children is not actually applied necessarily always to themselves. Why is it that when it comes to our kids, we would spend no expense raise them like that's why they people often will send their children to you know private school and you know they'll pay the money they'll do whatever they can just raise the kids get it right but when it comes to their own time and their own growth and their own development they're more passionate about raising their kids than they are about investing into themselves and there's something about that that just doesn't make sense to me when it comes to your spiritual growth can i just say you spend no expense because one of the things that you need to understand is when you decide to make an investment into yourself, it will cost you. It always costs you. It will cost you time. And it can sometimes cost you your treasure, like when I bought the Bibles. But often, you know, it is time. We have this little thing that happens in our hearts. It's intuitive. We don't always think about it. But it's a scale, it's an internal scale, and it weighs things, right? Because we want, what? Value for money. We want to make sure that if we invest something, that we get a good return on our investment. Am I going to buy this? Well, what do I get out of it? And I think, sadly, that there's a lot of people that haven't quite figured out this time to revelation thing with God. They don't spend the time, I don't know, there's a myriad of reasons, right? But maybe some of the excuses, maybe some of the things that you've heard in your own head is like, yeah, I know, but I never really get anything out of it anyway, or I'm probably not going to get anything out of it. You know, spending this time with God or, or reading the Bible, or I'm probably not even going to understand it. You know, we've all heard the same stuff. It's all the same stuff, guys. But if you don't spend the time, you're not going to get it. Now, the important thing for us to understand is, is, is how we spend our time. So if I was an investor, and I am, and you are, we're all investors. What are we investing? What's one of the most precious things that we have? Time. Yeah. We're all investors of our time. Believe it or not, you are building even now a portfolio. And at the end of your life, you will have something to display of what you invested in. And so we're trying to figure out, hey, is there value in doing this? Well, if I was going to, you know, hedge my bets, you know what I would do? I would invest with my time in what's eternal over what is temporal. That, that deserved more that's good, Ben, you know, because it is, it is good, right? I, look, even if you think it's not, I'm supremely confident this morning that that is good, Ben, because it is. If you were seriously thinking about how you should spend your time, you would invest into what is eternal, not what's temporal. The problem is we live in a physical world that constantly veils the spiritual reality from us and we fail to connect the significance and the importance of spending time in the things that will last forever. We are too caught up in the things that are not going to last past 80 years like us, you know, but what we do and what we leave behind, that's a legacy and our time should reflect the importance of what we value. And so today what I want to do is tell you about the number one spiritual practice that has the biggest impact. You know, people have done studies on this. They did a, a study of a thousand churches and studied 
thousands and thousands of Christians. And what I'm going to talk to you about today is the number one spiritual practice that will accelerate your spiritual growth. And here it is. You read the Bible and you reflect on it. That's it. That is it. But it's going to take some time. So I want to read a scripture to you today. It comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture, what scripture? 66 books of the Bible, okay? The Greek word biblia, it means books. It's a collection of books, okay? So all scripture is breathed out by God. What does that mean? Well, it's inspired by God. He inspired the people that wrote it. Yes, we understand it was their hands that penned it, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and they wrote it. And it's profitable for teaching and for reproof, which means what? Rebuke, which means what? Well, there's some correction in the Bible for us. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. This is how we think and so on. So we know what's good for us, for correction and for training, training, so we can become disciples, you know, like, like Jesus, cultivating in our mind what's important and what's of the kingdom. So it says, for correction and for training in righteousness, which is God's standard, that the man or woman of God may be complete, right? May be complete. Do you know what it means to be complete? It means you have what you need. Don't get to the end of the scripture yet. I know you, you, you probably know it. What it's saying is, is that inside here is enough content to help make you complete. That means that this is going to help you grow. It's going to grow you. It's going to develop you. It's going to transform you. It means that God will speak to you through this book. He will talk to you. And when Paul wrote this scripture to Timothy, he was essentially saying to him, this will change you from the inside out. This is, this is going to help you. It's going to change you. You'll be different if you keep reading it, keep sowing seeds into this. You're going to reap a harvest in the years to come and you'll be complete. I always find it astonishing what people outside of Christianity think this is, you know, what we do. You know what they think we do? I think they think that we want to be like Jesus, so we just try really hard. I hope you don't think that's what Christianity is about. We try really hard to be like Jesus. No, 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 no. That's the outside working in. That is beginning with behavior modification and hoping that if you throw enough mud at the wall, it sticks. If, if, well, if I read the Scriptures and find out what I'm supposed to do, and I try really, 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 really hard, I'll become more like Jesus. But do you know that that's quite an unbiblical idea? I mean, there's elements of that that I guess are kind of true, because we do try to be like Jesus. But actually what the point is, is that when we read the Scriptures, what's in here gets in here, and it changes us from the inside out. It's the inside out. That's how this works. And in Christianity, we call that sanctification. It's the process of being made more holy. It's the process of being made more like God. It's an act of grace that works from Him in us and begins to work its way through us. And you know what that means? And I think this is 
if you can get this, this is going to help you so much. When things work from the outside in, there's often a battle that rages against what you're not supposed to be doing, yeah? I, I, I can't think like that. Oh, I've got to change. And, and, and you're waging a war, right? Yeah, sure, I get it. And, and there's elements of that that are true. But when this thing happens, when it changes you from the inside out, what you want begins to change. You know what that means? What once was a battle is no longer a battle because you don't want it anymore. Yeah? So you're being changed from the inside out. What are you getting? A new set of values. It's intrinsic, right? Now I'm not raging against it because it's not a battle because I don't even want it anymore. What I really want is to go after the things that Jesus wants in my life. And the way that I get that is what? It's not rocket science, guys. I've given you the answer so many times. It's reading your Bible. It's reading your Bible. That's where we get it. So he goes, you'll change from the inside out. And look at this, being equipped for every good work. Every is quite exhaustive. Think about the work of the church and what we're doing here on planet Earth. There's a lot of work. And apparently the words contained in this book are enough to equip us for every single thing that could ever exist. Every kind of work that the church could do, right, or has done or will attempt to do, everything that we need to equip us for that mission is found in this book. Do you, like, do you get the impact of reading this book? It will change your life. So I know this is a very simple message, but it's a really important one. And I'll say six words right now, because if you've been confused thus far, this next line, just write this down. And don't leave because there's more of the message to come. But this is essentially the big idea today. You need to read your Bible. It's deep. You need to read your Bible. The Bible is what we call the Word of God. It's His words to us. And when we read the Bible, one of the things that we see is that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Did you get that? It makes sense. The new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. When we read the Old Testament, what do we see? It's always pointing forwards towards something better that's coming. That's the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, it makes sense of everything that the Old Testament said. And they fit together like hand in glove. It's important that we understand this. So I read this, I'm thinking like, wow. Now, the Bible is the most read, translated, and extensively printed book in the world. Harry Potter made us nervous for a little bit. <laughs> there was a moment there where we're like, look at the scoreboard. That's not true. That's not true. The Bible is the most read book in the world, which is astonishing because so many people have trouble actually picking it up and reading it. So what is it? Well, 66 books split into an Old Testament and a New Testament. The word testament means covenant. An easier way maybe to understand that is agreement. So we have an old agreement with, that was in place with God. And what is that? That's, a, that's a, an agreement where we said, we can do it. 
just let us try. And we failed. You know why? Outside in. We could do it. That's outside in. And to what happened? Jesus came, lived the perfect life that we could never live, and instituted a new agreement. One where we are saved by grace through faith in Christ, which meant that now God will never leave us like because we've, you know, because of our behavior, we're saved by grace. So he's always drawing near. And isn't it interesting that when he drew near and he allowed the Holy Spirit to work in us, now because God was so close to us and in us, now it starts working what? From the inside out. And that's created a dramatic transformation in the kingdom of God ever since Christ came. This is, this is incredible. This book, written over a period of maybe 1,500 years, about 1,400 BC to 96 AD. There's 400 years in the, sort of in the middle, 400 years right before Jesus was born. We call those the 400 silent years. They did write literature during that time. It's called the Apocrypha. It's not wrong to read it, but since God wasn't speaking, we're not interested. So we don't really read it, but you could. So here we go. 39 authors inspired by the Holy Spirit. And when I say inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's so clear that whoever wrote this book, even though we know it's 39 authors, whoever wrote this book is clearly outside of time and space. They have to be. How do we know? Well, they can see the end from the beginning. And if you read the beginning and it tells you about the end and it continues to unfold, just like has been said, there's something about that that indicates to you the author of this must be able to see all of time at the same time. We always think about time being linear. I can't go back to yesterday, but God can. He's in all time. He can see the end from the beginning. He's God over it all. It's just hard for us to think that way. And when you get situations like there is prophetic, so a prophecy about the exact, in the Old Testament, by the prophet Daniel, that, that can with accuracy speak to the exact week that Jesus would be crucified on the cross, that's no accident. There's something about, and even as I say that, don't you just go, wow, like, Wow. This book is incredible and it sits there being ready for us to engage in. And do you know what studies have revealed if we engage in it? Reading the Bible is two times more powerful than any other spiritual practice that we know of. Two times by a power of two. Now, I think prayer is incredibly important and absolutely necessary. But in terms of growing spiritually, if you read your Bible and reflect on it, it is two times more powerful than anything else because we are literally getting God's words speaking straight to us. But it is of zero value if it sits on your bookshelf and gathers dust. You are not more spiritual if it's by your bed. It's not, it's not the aura of the book that gets on you. You actually have to open it up and read it. And if you do, it will transform your life. You know, when I get up in the morning, one of the things that I do is obviously, I, you know, I pray and I have this routine that I sort of go through and I get to this part where it talks about, you know, your daily bread. Give us this day our, our daily bread. 
Do you know that God has something to say to you daily? And if I say that and you go, well, I don't even know how to hear his voice. Okay, fine. But I want you to accept on faith right now that God wants to speak to you every single day. And if you're going to have a hope of hearing his voice, you've got to start to do some things in your life to position yourself to hear it. It is no good saying God doesn't speak to me every day when you fail to position yourself to hear him. So what do you got to do? You got to read it every single day. There's a lot in here. Do you know what the Bible does? It unveils the spiritual reality that we live in. Because we live in a physical dimension, yeah? But at the same time, this is a, there is a spiritual reality at work in our lives. And this stuff in the spiritual realm, it happens all the time. Big things happen all the time. What this does is help to speak to us and unveil what's really going on. If you've ever decided that you were going to go and make, you know, go on mission and do something significant for God, and tragedy strikes in three places in your life at the exact same time, what do you think that is? Coincidence? No, that's a spiritual reality. And the closer we get to God and the more we train ourselves to hear His voice, even speaking to us through His Word, and the more we get this on the inside of us, the more discerning we will be about the spiritual realities that are around us. You know, Jesus, when He was on planet earth and walking around as human there was this time where he went and got baptized he's led out by the spirit of god into the desert and then what happens the devil comes and he tries to tempt him and he throws all of these things at jesus and what does jesus say he says well it is written you know man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds you know so he starts quoting these things and if you read it in your bible it's in inverted commas you know why because it's a quote from the old testament and what's the book that he's quoting out of? It's Deuteronomy. So then you think, wow, well, is Deuteronomy the best defense we have against the devil? No, no, no. There's actually, there's, there's loads of scriptures that are in the Old Testament. There's loads of scriptures that Jesus could have used. So people that have studied Jesus's life, you know what they say? They say, no, 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 he could have said anything. But it's probably more likely that he just happened to be reading Deuteronomy at the time. And what is astonishing to me is when you read the Bible, how many times it just happens to come up that day. Seriously. You start to read it and you're like, oh, that just reminds me. I was just reading about that this morning. And that happens, that kind of thing, it's not coincidence, church. It happens all of the time. It just keeps coming up, right? Oh my gosh, I was just reading about that like last week. And now what have you got? You've got a deposit from this that's inside here. And at the right moment, it starts to come out of you, but you need it. You need it so that you can face the challenges and, and, and see exactly what is going on in the spiritual realm. Now, the way that I think about this is, Jesus is the Word. Let me explain that, right? He's the Word of God incarnate. So you know in the beginning of the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, not to confuse you, but the word, Word means Jesus. So let's re replace the word, Word with Jesus and see what happens. Are you with me? All right. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Got it? All right. So he's the word. 
He is the Word of God incarnate. The word carne means, it actually means like meat, like chili con carne. It's meat, right? So, you with me? He is the Word of God wrapped in flesh, okay? The Word of God became flesh and dwelt amongst us, right? He's the Word. Now, I figure since Jesus is the Word, right, and He read the Bible, I'm just going to make a wild leap and say, we probably need to read it too. (laughs) Since He is the Word, presumably, He could have just said anything He wanted and it would have been right. Why? Well, He's Jesus. He is literally the Word. Anything He says. Devil could have said, turn these stones to bread. And he goes, no, that would have been fine. Why? Well, he's God. He's the word, right? <laughs> Devil says, can I tempt you? You're like, what does this say about that? No, I will not, right? But Jesus didn't need to do that. What did Jesus do? He could have just gone, no, nah, I'm not doing that. But he doesn't. He quotes the scriptures. Now, a, a, a servant is not above his master, right? Yeah. Is Jesus your master? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> For the love of God. Is Jesus your master? Are you above him? Well, since Jesus is the word of God incarnate, since he is, you know, uh, fully God, fully man, all at the same time, he's the impossible. He's the apex. He's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, all wrapped up in one. None of us are as good as him, right? Are we above him? So why would we ever think that we could get away in this life without reading the Bible just like he did? Geez, if he did it, to me, that just reinforces how much value this book should have in my life. You know, it was probably a couple of months ago, I got invited to speak at Bright Night, which is our youth that we have here. And I, I, you know, I did this message and my son Judah invited a friend of his to come to Bright Night. We get to the altar call, his friend puts his hand up. Praise Jesus. I, I wasn't sure exactly if that was like a first time decision, what it was, so I call his dad. And I say, hey, your son put his hand up. He said, would you mind explaining to him what that's all about? I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. So after school one day, I get Judah and his mate, we go down to the shops, we sit down to have a drink so that we can explore what it really means to give your life to Jesus and to talk about it, okay? So I order the drinks, And then I get up from the table and I walk away before I am confronted by three strange women. (laughs) These women approached me aggressively, I would say, and said, excuse me, sir, can we talk to you? I said, yes. I didn't mean it. (laughs) But sometimes I feel like people might recognize me, so anyway. It's not true. So, it's not true. So, anyway, they said, can we please speak to you? I said, yes. And they said, did you know that God is a mother? I said, oh, here we go. I said, I've heard about you. I've heard about these people, right? They're like, yes, God is a mother. I said, what do you mean? They're like, he's a woman. I said, oh, jeez. I said, okay. Then, next minute, she whips out this iPad and starts giving me the most elaborate PowerPoint presentation at Churnside Park Shopping Centre, right? I couldn't believe it. They're like, look at this. And she's running me through a presentation, right? 
I thought to myself, this is what I thought. I thought, I'm really here to actually unveil the gospel to this young man. So I, I knew I didn't, I didn't really have time for this. And I said, listen, I said, can I please go? And they didn't even acknowledge it as like a thing that I said. They just kept going. I said, I don't want to be rude, but I want to go. I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk. And then it got to the stage where I said, is there, excuse me, is there any way that I can get out of this right now? Right? And they wouldn't let me get out of it. All right. Well, just so you know, you have asked for this. <laughs> I said, what you were talking about is insane. Let me tell you something right now. You don't understand a thing about the kingdom of God. And you should look up what the word hermeneutics means because you don't understand anything about the scriptures. Have you even gone to Bible college? What do you know? They start explaining it to me over and over. I said, what's the scripture? They pull out the scripture. I said, you don't get it. God is spirit. He's not a woman or a man. God is spirit. Jesus is a man, sure, yeah. But you're talking about God the Father trying to tell me that He's a woman and He's actually, I said, He is spirit. I said, what you don't get is that the Bible is using words to help you understand how He relates to humankind. And you would get it if you actually went to Bible college. They said, well, our whole church is based around this. Well, let me tell you something about the church. None of you know a thing. <laughs> you don't know a thing. You would all benefit from going to Bible college. They, they were like sort of taken a little bit back. I said, let me explain something to you, right? And I began to unpack the scriptures to them, right? Then they pull out a folder. <laughs> and they say, and I'm just aware of the time, this story can't go for too long, but it is funny. So, <laughs> so they pull out a folder and they say, look at what we've got. Do you know what they had? And this is not a word of a lie. They said, we are endorsed by the President of the United States of America, right? <laughs> And they're like, look, he's endorsed us and the Prime Minister of Britain. Do you know what I said? I go, what do I care about them? I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you suggesting to me that the President of the United States is endorsing your church and that that should carry weight in my life? Who is he to me? What do I care about what the President of the United States thinks about doctrine? He doesn't have a clue. I don't care if he runs the nation. He doesn't have a clue about Christianity. He should go to Bible college and you can take him, right? <laughs> the Prime Minister of Great Britain doesn't understand a thing about it. I said, what do, you, what, do you, what do you guys think? Are you suggesting to me that for hundreds and hundreds of years, all the great theologians of the world, Charles Spurgeon and all of these people, that somehow they've all missed it and you, you found it? They're like, I said, personally, I find you offensive. <laughs> I said that. And I hope you don't convince anyone of anything today. I hope this is the most unsuccessful mission you ever have in your life. And I hope that everyone understands something about the kingdom and the gospel, because you should have been focused on that. Boom, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, on the inside, the boys are watching going, I walk back inside, because this was outside. I walk back inside, they're like, what was that about? I'm like, I'll tell you later. 
What's, what's my whole point? Well, your defense is only as good as your revelation. Your defense is only as good as your revelation. And it's no good listening to my words and thinking, what did my pastor say? Oh, you've got to get it for yourself. There's so many people that, you know, they get to this stage where, you know, and, and look, if you're new to Christianity, I understand, I get it. There's a time where you've got to grow. But look, if you've been in church for like 10, 15 years and somebody asks you something and you're like, you know, like Elmer Fudd, you know, and you can't actually figure this thing out right, maybe you've been drinking milk too long. Because you know what? There's some good meat in here if you took the time to actually read the thing. Is that all right? Good, because it's out. I said it. It's too late. I cannot. That's one of the things you need to know. You can't get time back. So let me read a scripture to you. Ephesians 6, 16 to 18 says, In all circumstances, again, exhaustive, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. What do shields do? They protect you which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, right? That's spiritual attack. And take the helmet of salvation. What's that? The gospel of Jesus. Please understand that. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Not a result of your works, but because of what He did on the cross for you. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Did you know that the Bible is the only weapon that we have for attack and defense? That's why it's so powerful. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, for the Word of God is living and active. It's not necessarily a static exercise to read this book. It's a dynamic thing that happens. It's back and forth. It's up and down. I'm reading. I'm praying. God, illuminate to me what the Scriptures are saying. I know what they mean even within their framework and context, but what do you want to say to me through your Word today? Come on, what's the daily bread? He speaks. It, it speaks to us. It defends us. It can attack like that story I just told you. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It has the ability to pierce right to the intention of your heart. God knows the motivation of your heart. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows the conversations that are taking place in your head. And I think my point is, look, I don't care how you do it. Just read the Bible. You can't afford not to. Seriously, you, you can't afford not to. Now, you've got an internal scale that's weighing up, oh, but, you know, time for energy, time for effort, you know, am I going to get something out of this? Yeah, you will. But I think you've just got to continue to read it. So, like, in all honesty, there will be some days where I read it and I'm, I'm, like, taking notes and maybe getting some insight. Yeah, sure. But it's not like... <laughs> It's not like I open this and the Shekinah glory lights up my face like Moses and I walk around lighting up rooms. That is not what happens. Okay? That is not what happens. If I get one word from God out of this, good. And even if I don't, I don't care. It's all right. I'm going to pray and I'm, I'm going I'm to have the time anyway. I'm going to do it. Why? Because, well, because I, I love God. So what, what does that mean? It means I'm prepared to sacrifice some time. So what do I do? Well, I get up at 5.30 every single morning. Because if I don't get up at 5.30, I'm not going to be able to fit in everything that I want to fit in in my morning. And I want to win my day. So I thought, this is a great idea. And I said to Pastor Sarah, I said, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm going to start going to bed early because if I don't do that, I can't wake up early. And, um, you know, I'm starting a club, sweetheart. It's called the 5.30 a.m. club, right? And she thought that was ungodly. 
So she said, I'm starting a new club. I said, what, what is your club called? She goes, the 6 a.m. club, right? I said, what time does it start? She says, 6.30 a.m. So, yeah, yeah. Because time moves so quickly. Seriously, so quickly. And, uh, you know, it's actually, it was our 16th wedding anniversary this year. And I remember it was, it was Thursday and I was like, here we go, anniversary. All right, well, I guess we better do this dinner thing, you know. Keep her happy. Gosh, that sounded wrong, didn't it? Of course it sounded wrong. Do you know why that sounded so wrong? Because you're like, oh. <laughs> Take a separate car home from church today, Pastor Ben, right? Do you know why that sounded so wrong? Because you're like, nah, you're supposed to love her. See, the truth is we have a date night every Tuesday night and I love it and I look forward to it and we invest into it, right? And I love, I look so forward to that dinner because I love spending time with my wife. So why would I ever treat a thing like, you know, that dinner, like a checkbox, like something I just have to do? Do you get the point? Right. Why would we ever do that to Jesus? Honestly, why would we ever treat reading the Word like a chore, like a tick box? There, I did it. And as long as I do it, let's keep Jesus happy. Are you happy that I did it? I feel like we can, I can get close to you today, God, because I read my Bible. And I don't have to carry around the guilt and shame of the you know, I didn't do it, so I did it. There you go. Are you, are you happy with me? What do you, what do you, how do you think this thing works? Wait, wait. You think he's up there, right, totally dissatisfied until you open the Bible and he's like, oh, now I can move forward with eternity, right? God is happy all the time, right? He, he's, he's in this permanent state of happiness, right? You get to get in on what He's doing when you have a great love for Him and say, I, I, it's, it's not I have to, it's I want to, you know? I want to. And you've got to stop thinking spiritually disciplined and start thinking about being spiritually devoted. Because you know that discipline, it's not that it's bad, it's good, right? But it's still the lowest level of relationship imaginable with God is I have to. I made you happy. It's still the lowest level of relationship. Yeah, it's there. It's good. Don't feel bad. I don't want you to feel guilty or anything like that, right? But it's still the lowest level of relationship. Can I tell you what's so much infinitely better than that is like, God, I cannot wait to meet with you in the morning. And you wake up and you're like, God, speak to me today. I'm, I'm ready. I, I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm just, I'm, I'm ready. Speak to me through your word. What do you want to say to me? And you, and you start to read this thing over and over and over again. Something on the outside of it gets on you and it gets in you. It gets on the inside of you. What's, what's the whole point of this message? For the love of God, for the love of God, read your Bible. That's how it works. For the love of God, read your Bible. You know, at, at Bright Church, we're so interested in you reading your Bible that whenever anybody becomes a partner of the church, we give them a dwell Bible membership. We, we pay for it for you because, 
you know, that's where you can just, you can read the scriptures on the screen, but you can just put in your earphones and listen to it. You can connect it to your car. It doesn't matter how you do it. Some of you are going to enjoy reading paper. Some of you are going to enjoy reading, you know, uh, uh, like an iPad or something like that. Look, it, it really doesn't matter. I'm just saying you've got to read it. 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 And if you do, it will change you. It'll change your life. So this morning, I want to pray, firstly, that you just love God so much that you want to spend that time with Him. Can I do that? Can I just pray for you today? God, I just pray for every single person that's here today. Everyone that wants to get close to you. Maybe they've felt like you're far. But God, if they really do love you in their heart, I pray that love, out of that love for you, God, it would drive them to read your word. We're not an organization that majors on behavior modification from the outside in, trying the best that we can to be like Jesus, feeling miserable about the fact that we can't, and then trying even harder only to feel the, the guilt and the shame of not measuring up to your standard. We're, we're Christians, we're saved by grace through faith in what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And so Father, I pray that out of that intimate relationship, that love for you that we have, that God, we would not see this thing, reading the Bible as a checklist today. It's not a checklist. I wanna know what you have to say to me today. I want daily bread. I, want to, I know every day you want to speak to every single person in this room and I pray, God, that we wouldn't give away our time, that we'd make the sacrifices, whatever it takes, setting the alarm early, making the sandwiches the night before, whatever it takes. We'll just think ahead to make sure that we have that time so that we're growing deeper in you, aware of everything that's happening around us, that spiritual reality. Father, I pray that every single person in this room would be desperately in love with you. And out of that, they'd want more and more of you in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.